Welcome back to Round Guy the Podcast. Uh, if you guys ever uh, like uh, hunting and fishing, this episode may be an opportunity for you to have a hunting and fishing experience that will last the rest of your life. Something that would uh, be a, a story you'll tell your grandchildren. Anyway, uh, this is our second episode of Cook, Catch, and Clean. And we are on the phone with Cole Golka's father, Mike, who uh, runs Wild Goose Guides. Uh, and he's going to tell us about all the services that his uh, operation covers and uh, all the different species uh, that you can hunt and fish as with him as a guide. But today in particular, we're going to talk about white front fronted geese or spe uh, uh, speckled belly geese. Welcome to the program, Mike. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. Well, that, I, I am so intrigued about uh, what you do and the opportunities that it would provide a, a, a lifetime of memories for anyone listening to this podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, we've, uh, we live in uh, uh, Hardesty, Alberta, Canada. So we've uh, obviously, uh, like Iowa, it's a very uh, uh, unique uh, landscape. We have rolling hills and rivers and uh, uh, you know, you know, some big lakes, small ponds, lots of cropland, lots of bush. Uh, so it, it, it tends to give us the opportunity to hunt a lot of waterfowl. We have uh, three migratory paths that actually come through our area out of the four. So we get a, a wide variety of, of hunting opportunities with a lot of birds. Uh, also, we have, uh, you know, as Cole had mentioned, you know, in, in his interview, it was a great interview. I got to listen to it and, uh, you know, we get the opportunity to hunt whitetail deer, mule deer, elk, moose, you know, bear, coyotes, uh, all within a, you know, one small, unique uh, ecosystem where, where Hardesty is. And, uh, of course, growing up in a, you know, in that kind of an area with a father that was a big goose hunter. And, uh, you know, we ended up spending a lot of time out in the field, and I'm very fortunate for that. And uh, I've carried that tradition on with my five children, and Cole being one of them. Well, let, let's uh, let's connect. What you 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 have a little connection with Iowa. You, you grew up in Nebraska, didn't you? That's right. Well, my my family immigrated from Nebraska on my dad's side. So, uh, the Golkas, and there's still lots of Golkas down in Nebraska, an area. Uh, big families, usually six, you know, seven, eight kids. And uh, my dad's father and mother, uh, Lenora Lenowski and John Golka, immigrated to viking alberta which is only about 40 minutes from hardesty where my dad eventually moved to and where i was born um so yeah we have a you know and on my mother's side my grandma jean rumbo uh she came uh she was a, a full american and with landed immigrant status and never actually did change her status uh and and my father was a dual citizen um, uh, my father, John. So we, 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 we're kind of North Americans, I guess we call ourselves. So, uh, you also have a son that's, that's, uh, playing for the Iowa Heartlanders and making, uh, everyone in Southeast Iowa in particular, really proud with his, uh, with his excellent play. Well, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's been, uh, I guess crafting that trade since he has been about five years old. So, you know, he spent uh, the better part of, uh, you know, 20 plus years trying to, to reach a goal of playing pro hockey. And, and he's very blessed to do it. Very few people get to uh, on, a, on a percentage of the world's population, as you know. And uh, we're very proud of him for what he's accomplished. And uh, and he's a fine young man, too. He, he takes it seriously and he, 
he respects the opportunity he's been given and he likes to give back to the communities that he's in and uh, loves, uh, you know, the young kids and, and spending time with the fans. He feels that's a, that's part of the, the responsibility of being a professional athlete. So uh, are, do you have your service open uh, year round? Yeah, we have uh, we have a season for our waterfowl. It runs from September one to December sixteenth of each year. Um, so we, we we hunt what we call the prime time. Our our best hunting is September and October. Um, so we offer uh, hunting trips for waterfowl in that time. Our our big game uh, uh, time is 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 basically shortened. It's October for bow hunting and and November for deer hunting elk and moose so you, you get a little bit of an overlap with the bow hunting uh, it can start in september at the same time as a waterfowl so we don't do a lot of big game hunting uh, or guiding just because it overlaps with our our waterfowl and and the waterfowl is something that i'm probably more passionate about just because you know there's there you get to you get to spend a lot of time in the field you get to fire lots of shots first maybe only getting one or none in the season with big game hunting and uh, it just gives you and, and lends it to, uh, you know, building friendships with people that we've had coming for, you know, 15 years. And, and you get the opportunity to go see them and, and where they live. And, and it's, uh, you know, I just find it's more of a, uh, you know, an action packed, uh, uh, you know, and as you and I had, had talked just briefly about coming on the program, I said, I, I find fishermen and, and waterfowlers are our salt of the earth people you just i don't know that i've met one that i don't like and and we sure enjoy having them up and 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 getting them here to experience some of the world-class waterfall hunting that we have so tell us about where all the people come from to to use your service well we get them from you know a large majority of the u.s i mean over over uh the last i mean my dad started hunting geese uh, in 1959 um, you know, we, we started hunting more, uh, because of, uh, the need to almost protect our hunting area because there was no regulations and stuff in place. And we were having, you know, outfitter guides from all over, like even Europe and the U S coming through and, 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 and over hunting certain areas. And eventually our Alberta professional outfitter society put a, uh, a, a, a plan in place that limited only certain numbers of outfitters in areas because and actually my dad and I were the big big proponent of or you know uh, uh, trying to get that done because we understood you had to keep a real balance between the you know the local hunting to let your local fathers and sons get out and hunt without putting too much pressure on the area and having a great relationship with farmers uh, my dad was really uh uh, you know, a, a, a pioneer really in, in helping get uh, water lakes protected so people couldn't go down to the water and shoot because you scare the birds off and then they would leave to the next county and you wouldn't get as many hunts. So with all that, working up to that, trying to keep a real balance, it, it gave us a really, you know, high-end hunting opportunity. And because of that, I don't know that there's a state that we haven't had a hunter from. Um, you know, a lot of the, the duck hunting states, even, you know, like Louisiana and, and, and Arkansas and Alabama, we get a lot of hunters up there because they just say, you know, from those areas, even though there's lots of hunting, they don't get the, the, the limit, generous limits that we have. Like we're allowed, you know, eight 
dark geese, we call them, which are Canada geese or white-fronted geese per person per day with a three-day possession. So you can hunt and take home up to 24 geese and take home up to 24 ducks of, you know, mallards and pintails. And, and also, you know, we hunt some diving ducks like bluebills and, and uh, teal and, and it's, uh, you know, so there's generous limits. So people can end up taking home, you know, 48 birds uh, in a, in a trip. And, and that's, you know, to them, most guys say, well, you know, I've only, you know, in the morning we go out the first morning and they shoot and they go, I just shot 16 birds. That's more birds than I've shot back home for five years in one morning. Well, tell our listeners the name of your business and maybe some of the ways to contact you. Well, uh, we have uh, our, our business is called Wild Goose Guiding Limited. Uh, we have a website, uh, wildgooseguiding.com. Um, I like to talk to each, you know, of our clients individually. So my phone number's on there. There is also a, an email. It's simple. It's info at wildgooseguiding.com. And then, uh, you know, my phone number, which is uh, 780 914-9889. That's 780-914-9889. I think I'm, I'm trying to look up your, your site here. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk today about uh, catch, cook, and clean. So let's talk about, let's just, you know, say uh, a father and son show up and you're going to take them out hunting. Now, what, what all do you provide? You provide the guns and the shells and the licenses and and the housing. Yeah, well, what we do is is we encourage guys to bring their own guns. It's it's like fishing rods and, and and rifles and shotguns. Most guys are partial to their own equipment because you know let's face it, it's not easy to, to catch some fish sometimes, and it's not easy to shoot you know moving birds that are traveling at thirty to forty miles an hour. So we we tend to encourage guys to bring their own guns. It's not very difficult to get them into Canada. Um, you know, we have a form that we send out ahead of time and our clients fill out and they carry it with them and present it when they get to customs and, and it moves through pretty quickly. Um, you know, so, uh, they have the option to bring their own shells or we can supply them shells. Uh, we purchase their licenses ahead of time. Any of the clients coming in, uh, they'll fly into, you know, one of our local airports here, international airport in Calgary or Edmonton, rent a vehicle and drive out. Um, you know, we've had bigger groups that have asked us to come and pick them up with our units and, and you know, we just have a fee for that. But uh, most times it's better for the guys to drive in. They have a vehicle and they can drive around the country and look at moose and elk and stuff for rutting at that time. So they can get out and, and, and do some fun things that way. Um, and, and then they're in our camp. They come in the night before, like on a Wednesday night, and then they'll, they'll hunt a Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning. And then at Saturday, just around lunch after our last brunch, um, you know, the, the group will head out. And then we have in the Saturday evening, we'll have another group come in. And then we hunt a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And then we're, we're technically off for a day and a half there before our next hunt, which gives us a time to reorganize our gear, clean things up, get it, you know, really ready for the next group and, and, uh, and a chance for the birds to settle for a bit and spot our hunts and, so that's kind of the general program we do, um, and it works really well. It's a, you know, it, it seems like people, uh, you know, the three-day hunt is, is the most common. We've had, you know, we've had guys that come up for five- and six-day hunts, um, but, you know, the three-day hunt is really seems to be a, a nice fit for most people. 
Well, just describe describe a, a typical hunting experience. Well, so once we get everybody in and get them into the camp, my wife is our our hostess and our our chef. Um, you know, she kind of always chuckles at me and says, "Well, I don't know if you can call me a chef." And of course, most of, everyone that comes in and eats and has her hospitality says, "No, she's a chef and she's one of the best hostess ever." So. Um, you know, she, she takes care of the guys and, and has help with a couple of good friends of mine that we grew up with and, and his wife helped my wife as well. So we got a good team there to get them settled in. We go through our orientation. We have a really unique system. We, we, we actually invented this, uh, uh, the use of, of trees for blinds. My dad is the one that actually created it. And then we built a trailer that actually holds the trees on the trailer and we drive it to our spot and we put it in where we want the birds to come in and we, we, we have a unique way of setting it up. So we have birds coming straight at us sometimes or on an angle where the, the, the tree blind is put in a dip and it's really, you know, unawares and we have a lot of little bluffs and brush patches in our country. So it, it was something that he, you know, we all used to dig pits and have to, be out there till two or three in the morning digging holes in the ground with shovels and and picks and and pry bars and crowbars and so my dad he finally got tired of doing this and he says well i'm just these birds fly over all these trees all the time so i'm just going to cut these uh, branches off about a foot high and we only have to dig two feet instead of three feet well geez he shot our limit and then he said well i'm going to make them two feet high and stick them in the dirt from the one feet that we dig down well long story short we now have a full blind that everybody sits in. You can all sit in and talk and visit while the birds are working. And, of course, without moving and, and saying too much. But when we, we, we call take them is my, my command. I, I run the hunts and, and I'll call take them. And everybody stands up and the birds are spread out in front of you and everybody shoots their position. So the outside guys work on the outside of the flock and in the inside guys work from the inside out and our kill to shot percentage goes way up because of that and and a lot of times we're shooting birds that don't even know we're there and it makes it so that it's a uh, you get an up close you know 10 to 20 25 yard experience of shooting birds uh everybody's safe because they're all pointing the same direction you know everybody knows you know their spots to shoot the closest bird isn't always getting shot first. So it makes it just uh, better for the hunt. It makes it more efficient. We don't shoot up as many flights of birds, which makes our birds more wary if we shoot too many. And we try to be very efficient at, at getting in, getting our limit, and getting out of the field. And we'll even have birds coming in to our decoys, and we'll leave the field. And a lot of times, if uh, you know, we can hunt that field again two or three days later. Well, Cole mentioned two things to me. He says, one, his mom's cooking is worth the trip altogether. And two, he says you're in a, uh, what he, I thought he said it was the Mississippi Flyway, where you have maybe some of the best uh, duck and goose hunting in the world. Yeah, I would say we're probably, you know, we have uh, uh, Delta Waterfall has a, ambassador club in the u.s and canada and they like to go to different places to hunt and one of the things they they did their research on was the number of white-fronted geese that that we end up uh shooting per hunter so you know there was the you know we're one of the top if not the top uh uh you know i guess bird per hunter ratio in 
in Alberta, and I would bet to say one of the top in, in the world as far as how many birds that we actually have the ability to shoot here compared to anywhere else. And, um, you know, we get, uh, like I say, we're, we're on a great, you know, location. We have a great resource. My dad in the 60s recognized the benefit of protecting the water and he worked diligently and got three big bodies of water protected as wildlife sanctuaries so people couldn't go down to the shore and just shoot them off the shore and then chase them out of the country. So it actually made a, a big difference. Our lakes aren't big enough to have, you know, diver hunting and shooting where, you know, we're, we're smaller, you know, lakes. And so that, that ended up giving us, you know, the opportunity to have, you know, uh, time and time again getting 10 15 20 hunts off the same group of birds as they come and leave and that was instrumental so that's probably a you know it's not ever one thing that makes things world class i think it's a lot of work on people's parts whether it's conservation whether it's you know the 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 area uh one of our biggest assets of course is our farmers without our knowledge of, of and, and our history of being in that that country for over a hundred years with my family as a whole um we we have great relations and without them we don't have anywhere to hunt so that's critical i think it's a combination of a lot of things dave well i think your dad uh, being from nebraska people who grew up on farms in nebraska and iowa have a just a, a legacy of land stewardship you know land stewardship is like foremost of importance you know, a tradition that's just passed down from grandfather to father to son here. And it sounds like to me, he took that same uh, attitude with him up where you guys are from. Well, yeah, and he passed it on to us. We we worked really hard with Ducks Unlimited building, uh, you know, nesting uh, 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 ponds for ducks and, and uh, you know, not cutting our hayland. Um, you know, we ran a lot of cattle and farmed for years and, and, and worked with, with Ducks Unlimited. We now work with Delta Waterfowl as well. So he did. He took it very seriously. And he knew that if he invested in that, you know, uh, production for nesting areas and, and production for, you know, ch- you know, uh, taking care and eliminating the the you know the rodents and the and the and the animals that affected the duck population and the hatch you know and we've done that and i think that over you know the last 60 years is is what has made our area so you know unique to have the quality of hunting we have with the the farmers that you know let us hunt and, and another big thing in canada is and i don't know if you knew this dave but uh, it's it's illegal for a landowner to charge people to hunt in Canada. Hmm. What it does is, is it gives everybody from, you know, the father, son, father, daughter to be able to go out and, and you don't have to be the upper echelon of wealth to, to hunt in Canada. And, and I think that's really been a big factor. It, it gives everyone, everyone, the opportunity to hunt because otherwise I don't think you could afford to do it. The land gets leased out to groups or, you know, different, uh, you know, different associations. And a lot of people never get a chance to experience it. Where in Canada, you know, you can buy a license, get a shotgun, go talk to a farmer, sit by a pond and, and, and have a great time with your family, son, daughter, whatever. And it doesn't cost you much. So we, we, you did an excellent job of describing the hunt. Now tell me about, uh, how you clean a uh, clean a goose? Well, what uh, yeah, I was going to actually mention a, a 
it's kind of ironic that uh, how things work, but uh, we had a, a really nice father-son group with a good friend that came up from Iowa just this last year. And, and it was interesting how they got here. Quick story. You know, this gentleman had talked to lots of outfitters in Alberta. He was doing his due diligence and, and, uh, he, he had called me a couple times and we had talked and texted and given some answers about what we do and how we do it. And, and, uh, you know, he called me one day and he was on driving home from his farm and, and he said, uh, you know, I want to chat with you about a bunch of stuff. We had a conversation. I was on speakerphone and I didn't know I was on speakerphone. So we ended up uh, uh, talking for a bit and I hung up. And, and anyways, he ended up, you know, saying, no, nope, my son and I and my friend are coming. We want to book a hunt and we, we put it in place. And he said to me, uh, after uh, the first couple hunts we went on, he finally, they opened up and they said, well, Mike, we got to tell you. We never expected any of this. My son and I were driving up. They drove up from Iowa, which is great. More time with family is better. And and they said, well, you know, Dad, if we get like five birds a day, three days, 15, we would just be so happy with that. Well, of course, their group in the first morning, I think they shot 60. And 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 then and they kind of didn't say much because they thought, well, this is unreal, but, you know, maybe we're going to get skunked the next couple of days. Well, we did it three days in a row, got them their limits of everything. And so talking about cooking and, you know, you know, catching, cooking and or cleaning and cooking, we ended up having uh, and this is a tradition at our camp. Whatever you shoot while you're there, your last supper, we cook up with our recipes, which are confidential never given out to anyone you can't get them anywhere they're exclusive to wild goose guiding you can only have them cooked in our you know recipes if you come and hunt with us and everyone gets to eat everything that they shot that week so because that's what we feel that it's about you know we're we're being blessed that you know we we have the, the good fortune that God has provided everything for us and and you know what we hunt we get to eat and and the the hunters get that they they get jerky that's made out of their their geese and ducks they get great you know wine gravy sauce with the white fronted geese they get a special duck marinade goose marinade that we do on the barbecue and it tastes just like tenderloin so we do that that's how we do it we we bring the birds in after they shoot them we clean them uh, in our facilities, we, we, you know, store them, freeze them, keep the ones that we want to, want to cook for them, uh, you know, uh, fresh, and then we marinate them. And, and during their stay, they're eating goose and duck that had been harvested before that we get processed. So they're eating that. They take it to the field with them. They get to eat their birds that they've harvested, uh, and, and on their last night. And, uh guys just love it they love it we've even had guys go down to the river catch walleye out of the river well my wife will cook up the walleye uh so there's there's all kinds of things that we do that i think is just makes us a little bit different than everybody else well so we're talking to mike golka uh wild goose guides uh in canada uh i mentioned one more time how to get a hold of you Sure. We have our website, which is uh, www.wildgooseguiding.com. We have uh, our email is info at wildgooseguiding.com. And my phone number is 780-914-9889. That's terrific. Uh, 
really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, I, I would love to get this opportunity. I know our, our listeners would love to get this opportunity. Tell us a little bit about the feedback that you've got from people that have, have been up there and hunted. Well, we've, you know, we've had a, a, you know, a very good, uh, I guess, rapport with our clients. I, I don't know, and I, I hope no one's ever went away disappointed, and I've always said to them, and part of our presentation and orientation when we get there is, is we want to be the first person to know that if we've done something that, you know, isn't up to what you expected or a standard that you would expect. And, and, and to date, I haven't had that, which is great. You know, we've been, we've been doing this, you know, I guess, you know, I took it over from my dad and mom in 2005. And, and so my wife and I and my family, my kids have been doing it. Uh, so, you know, we, we get a lot of compliments, like, you know, they just can't believe that, that you get to see and have the opportunity to harvest that many birds. They, they are shocked at, at how the, you know, the, the, the uniqueness of the blind, you know, how they get to all sit together and visit and that. And even if the wind is blowing, it's cold. It's, it's a unique system of layers that we have that keep you warm. Um, and, and the closeness of the birds, um, you know, they, they just, they, those are the comments, the safety, how critical we are. I think one of the biggest things that people love the most is my daughter will be out there setting up decoys. My sons will be out there. They'll be cleaning birds. They'll be washing vehicles. They really see it's a family affair. And it's, and, 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 uh, you know, the passion and the, and the heartfeltness of wanting to really give them an experience from our entire family. Um, you know, the, a lot of times the, the farmers will stop in for a visit and a chat. And uh, we've even had farmers insist that after the hunt that the, the hunters come to their place and cook them breakfast while we just harvested birds on their land. That's the kind of, I think, experience that just kind of blows people away. Are you sure you don't work for the Make-A-Wish Foundation? <laughs> well, I, I, I'll, I'll work for anybody's wish because I'll tell you what, when I see a father and daughter or father and son and the smiles and the, and the hugs and, 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 and that love come out, makes those 20 hour days worth it. Well, my dad goes to Canada almost once a year, uh, uh, fishing every year. And I'll mention this to him, uh, you know, uh, hunting and fishing is just a tradition that I grew up with. Uh, the people of Iowa are enamored with. Uh, although, you know, and, and whether you're living in Iowa or listening to this program anywhere, you know, a, a lot of people will connect with what we've been talking about. Uh, well, yeah. we, uh, you've been a great guest. We really appreciate it. Uh, uh, anything you want to say before we wrap this up? Well, I just, uh, I appreciate the, the fact that uh, there's people like you, Dave, spreading the, the good word about hunting and fishing because it really brings people together. And, you know, we need now more than ever to be together and, and come together, uh, especially with what's happened the last couple of years uh, with our, you know, with our health systems and everything. And, and one way to do it, it's, it's you know, is, is hunting and fishing. Another way is sports. Um, you know, another way is, is you know, with, with family. And uh, it's, it's time to heal and mend, and I hope that... Uh, you know, we can be a part of that for whoever wants to uh, have that opportunity. And thank you for, you know, being so kind to my son, Cole, who's really enjoying his time in Iowa and looking forward to a great rest of the season and, and, and catching some more crappies or walleye or 
bluegills or whatever, but uh, if you can point him in the right direction, I'm sure he'd love to go with you. Yeah, uh, he's in, I, I what I like about Cole is how just how much he's embracing uh, his opportunities here, and it's like he says, he says I can have all the the amenities of a of a of a nice modern city, and then 15 minutes later, outside of town, I'm ice fishing. So it's the best <laughs> best of both worlds. Well, this has been yeah. uh, our second edition of Catch, Cook, and Clean with Mike Golka, Wild Goose Guides in. Uh, Hardesty, is that how you say it? Yeah, Hardesty, Alberta, yeah. Hardesty, Alberta, Canada. Uh, you've been a tremendous guest, and uh, thanks for being part of our program. Thank you, Dave. All Keep right. up the good work. Welcome back to Round Guy, the podcast, as we do our first ever edition of Catch, Cook, and Clean Ice Fishing Iowa Edition with Iowa Heartlanders uh, Cole Gronka. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Cole Gronka. And you're from Canada. Where in Canada are you from? Alberta, Canada. We're, uh, I'm pretty up north. I don't know if you're familiar. Edmonton area, the capital of Alberta. I don't know, but I know I've got a lot of listeners in Canada ever since we started talking to the Iowa Heartlanders. So uh, tell Hi. us about uh, coming to to to, Col- uh, to Coralville and uh, what was your impressions and experience of it? I've loved it so far. It almost reminds me of home, right? It's a uh, same type of landscape, uh, cold, <laughs> which I love. So uh, it's been awesome so far. Uh, the team, they we're new here, trying to get into the community and you know get some awareness and get some fans going. But it's it's been an awesome experience so far. Well, speaking of an awesome experience, you're about to have one uh, going ice fishing, aren't you? Yeah, we've been doing a little ice fishing. Uh, my teammate uh, Kate Oliver and I, we kind of. Figured we try and you know do something outdoorsy here, and uh, ice fishing was was the the plan we came up with. So, do you guys have an ice house? No, we don't. So we don't we don't have much for equipment out here, right? And uh, you know we're both relatively new. I've done I've done some fishing in the past in some really nice houses and tents, but uh, no, we're just uh, freezing our ass off sitting there trying to catch fish. So, uh, how many times have you gone out so far? I've gone about four or five times. Oh, really? Okay. So uh, you got a good spot there in near Coralville? Yeah. So just north of Coralville, there's, there's a few lakes. Uh, there's Coralville Lake, and then the lake we've been fishing is uh, Lake McBride, I believe. Yep. It's that... just a small lake and beautiful little setting. Well, Iowa is known for having lakes everywhere and uh, great fishing. And uh, are you finding, are you catching some fish? So panfish is my favorite, uh, and you yeah. get a, you get a good mess of fish. Uh, wh- how's your, what's your favorite way to cook them? I you know what I love cooking fish. Like you you catch it, you do the work, and there's nothing better. Especially uh, just pulling up on shore and cooking it right there. That's probably my favorite. But uh, if I'm gonna cook it, I just spice it up with you know some lemon pepper, some garlic seasoning, salt, and then just fry it. That is terrific. Uh, um, so do you fry it? 
Yeah, I've used Brighton before. That's awesome too. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Not much better. There's nothing like that fish through the ice. You know, they don't have uh, any pesticides or anything in the lakes yet, and uh, exactly. the fish are real hungry, and the, the the meat just looks so nice and clean, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it's unbelievable, especially when coming out of the cold water. So long, it's firm, it's fresh, and super nutritious. It's it's one of my favorite things to eat. Well, the team's been going quite a tear lately. Uh, how... Uh, uh, how how fun has it been, and how glad are you finally to be home for a week? Hey, you know what? It's awesome. We're going on the road. Uh, and then, you know, we're doing well. It's a young team, and everyone's kind of maturing as players and uh, buying into the coach's system and just getting better each game. So we've been winning, which is nice. It's always, <laughs> it's always more fun to win than lose. So uh, no complaints there. And we're looking to keep uh, keep it going. We got a couple games at home this weekend too, so a couple big wins would be awesome. Well, you had a big win last night. Talk to me about that. Yeah, it was a, it was a great game. Um, you know, maybe not our best game, but uh, we still found a way to get it done, right? And and it's it's always good to win at home. You got to win at home, and it just increases the fan support and creates some excitement around the team. Yeah, the the fans, uh, the team seems to have been gone almost the whole month. I bet uh, the I fans know. were all pinned up and ready to go when you came back, w- weren't they? Yeah, no, it's 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 awesome to be at home, um, especially to win too. And then a couple games here, home stretch. And the next week we're on the road, and then I think we're back home for you know four or five games too. Well, what about this extreme arena that you play in? How, how what did you think when you first walked in and saw all that? It's beautiful. It's relatively new, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, it's brand new. Yeah, it's brand new. It's a beautiful facility and, you know, awesome uh, facility in the dressing room as well. Uh, We get taken care of really well. So, um, yeah, beautiful spot. And the city, too, like Iowa City is awesome, right? It's it's a college town, and I actually got to go to a couple of Hawkeye games, too, and that was that was I've never once been to a college football game and that that was awesome. Yeah, Iowa City and Coralville, it's a it's a little different than people envision Iowa, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Right? Like I, I honestly I didn't know what to expect when I came here. I've been I played in Florida, I played in Alabama, I played in the Quad Cities actually. And uh, then coming to Iowa City, it's just a, it's a different deal, right? Like, uh, I hadn't really heard of, I, I hadn't even heard of Hawkeyes football before I came, right? So, but then you then you go and experience things, and the nightlife's awesome, the restaurants are great, and then, you know, going to those football games, there's, you know, 70,000 people packed in a stand, in the stands, and the chance that they do is just, yeah, terrific culture here. Well, you mentioned uh, the Extreme Arena being extremely new. You know, the the goal of this podcast is to bring people to, to know about it because hardly anyone does. You know, you just get right outside Iowa City. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Coralville, Iowa City. You know, you've got the you got the you know the kind of nightlife and the the restaurants and the and the things that you would amenities that you would have in a lot of modern cities. But then again, you know, 15, 20 minutes outside of town, you're fishing. How about that? Fishing mecca here, and it's 
it's almost uh, I don't know if it's a, a best kept secret or whatnot, but I was and anyone I've talked to, they just you know they protect it. The regulations that are in place to protect the wildlife, and um, it's it's great to see, right? Um, but yeah, no the. Uh, the outdoors aspect of it is awesome. You kind of got exactly the best of both worlds. You got you got a great city, and then you know you go into a hunting store. I think uh, Fin and Feather is one uh, store we we have here. We live close to it, and all the the deer and the fish and everything, and it's just yeah, outdoorsy mecca. So what are you using for bait? We're using uh, waxworms. Yeah, that's perfect. That's wax exactly. Worms. Yeah, get you can't some, go wrong with the waxies, yeah. Just get you a small jig, you know, because you, you just need a small hook and uh, tip it off with the wax worm. You guys got the radar yeah, or not? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, we, uh, we use the, we're using the small jigs, and it's funny because uh, we don't have the sounders or anything, right? Which I find makes it easier, right? You, you drill a hole, you drop your sounder down, you start marking fish. Well, okay, there you go. Or if you don't mark anything, okay, let's move ten feet over and <laughs> and try that spot, right? So it's uh, it's a little challenging when you don't have the right equipment. So we're just drilling holes, and but uh, you know, I got on a hole and I, I changed my lure to more of a walleye type uh, uh, rig. Yeah, probably like a minnow or something the on the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's funny because I, I changed my rig because I'm, you know, go out a little deeper maybe and try that. And and then I started catching crappies. I was like, what? I, I changed my rig to, or my rig to a, a walleye lure and uh, start catching panfish on it. Now, there's nothing better than a, than, a, than a crappie, though, is there? I mean, walleye's oh, pretty great, too. Yeah. And trout's great, and especially I, fresh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I almost prefer the crappie. If I catch ten or twenty of those things, holy man, that'd be a that's a feast. So, uh, talk. Let's talk a little bit about your ice hunting and ice fishing and hunting and fishing experiences back uh, uh, when you were growing up. Well, my dad's actually a professional outfitter, uh, so he's he's a hunting guide up in Alberta. Uh, his main gig is waterfowl. He used to do some uh, white-tailed deer and, and mule deer as well. So I've grown up with it my entire life, and uh, we do a lot of fishing in the summer. We usually fish for walleye, and then uh, I do a lot of bow hunting myself. And up in Alberta, it's it's very similar to here. You just got you know more of a, a wider range of animals, right? Like in the area that uh, we do our hunting and guiding, uh, you got whitetail, mule deer, elk, moose, bears, like what. Whatever you want to, whatever you want to hunt, it's all right there. So it, it's Alberta is, you know, you think of the size of Alberta. I think it's maybe four or five times the size of Iowa, and it's got the same amount of people in it, right? So you have <laughs> so much terrain, and there's so many, so much wildlife, and it's it's a outdoor mecca as well. And I I love it. It's probably my biggest passion in life besides playing hockey is is uh, hunting so and uh, you know i'm starting to do it on my own right so a lot of it i've done with my brothers and then my my dad too who he's just a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to that so learned a lot from him and i've had some success recently with with bow hunting uh my favorite thing to hunt is, is elk uh, i don't know 
Well, my, my, my stepdad goes to Idaho every year and does elk yeah. hunting. So I'm experienced in eating elk and uh, I absolutely yeah. love it. Oh, some of the best meats. Oh, it's, it's so good. And, and then just the excitement of it too, especially when you're bow hunting and the elk are rotten and you get, uh, you know, a few bulls screaming at you and you got elk all around you. It is, it's an experience like you would never believe just hearing those things bugle and just the excitement around it. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. We're talking to professional hockey player, a member of the Iowa Heartlanders, a Canadian transplant, Cole Gonka. Uh, I, I, I'm still struggling to say it, but uh, I butchered the last four people's names, so don't feel bad. But anyway, uh, let's put in a plug for your dad's uh, business, you know, because I'm, I'm sure there's people out here that would love to, that are listening to us, that love to get out there and, and uh, experience the hunt that you're talking about. Yeah, well, you know, they call it uh, the Mississippi Flyway, so the birds that fly up north, and uh, I think they nest up north and then fly south for the winter. But that flyway is a huge migratory path for uh, all kinds of things. We get a ton of mallard, mallard ducks, pintails, Canada geese, uh, snow geese as well. And so his outfitting business is called Wild Goose Guiding. And uh, we get guys, mostly our clients are from the U.S., you know, down south, Texas, Mississippi, California, Louisiana, and uh, some guys from the Midwest as well. We had a couple groups from Illinois and maybe even Iowa. Uh, but, yeah, they just, they come up there. And I don't know what the, the waterfowl hunting is, is like around here, uh, but usually when clients come up, they are absolutely blown away by the amount of birds that they see. And then the setup, it's a, it's a first class operation. We get a, we got a hunting lodge. Uh, we take care of everything for the hunters. My, my mom actually is the cook and kind of the hostess, right? So she takes care of the clients and then, uh, we, we take care of all the hunting, set the guys up. They come in, we got the blind, the decoys, everything set up. And so they don't really know what they're in for, right? And then they're just, you know, wave after wave after wave of ducks and geese. And they just, they just can't believe how good it is, right? So it's, it's, a, it's an awesome experience. If any of your listeners are ever uh, thinking of doing a waterfowl hunt up in Canada, Wild Goose Guiding, that's the place to go. You know, there's some world-class duck hunting uh, at uh, not too far from you in a place called Wapalo, Iowa, uh, Lake Odessa. Oh, yeah. Lake Odessa has, yeah. uh, you know, is it's really renowned for. That's probably the premier duck hunting place uh, uh, near you uh, here in Iowa. Uh, but that yeah. that all sounds terrific. Well, uh, we really uh, tell us before we, we let you go. Tell us a little bit about your journey as, in pro hockey and how it led you to the Iowa Heartlanders. Yeah, it's it's always a, a kind of a crazy story. You you talk to anybody that's. Uh, in the minor professional leagues in hockey and I went to I played junior in various places across Canada and then I went to college for four years in Duluth, Minnesota and then from there I went to Birmingham, Alabama which is in the SPHL and then I had a stint in Jacksonville, Florida before uh, going back to Alabama and then up to the Quad Cities and the Quad Cities was 
that was an awesome experience. They got a you know long history of hockey. With uh, I think Quad City Mallards were there for a long time. Yes. And so same facility, great organization, and then uh, just kind of through connections of people, I got in touch with uh, Jerry Fleming, our coach here, and uh, the rest is kind of history. I've been here uh, ever since. So you're on the initial team. There's never been a professional team in Coralville before. So you kind of have to build uh, things from the ground up. How has your experience with the fans and uh, uh, give our fans a few reasons to come see you? Yeah, you know what? Uh, a lot of people I talk to, they're just, they kind of go, Is, there's a hockey team here, right? Like, you know, and some people, oh, the Heartlanders, yeah, yeah. You know, people hear about it. And it's it's a great atmosphere, and I know hockey is not the most popular sport in, in Iowa, but uh, if anyone wants to come check it out, it's it's an awesome experience, and you know, it's it, hockey's an exciting game. It's physical, right? There's fighting, there's hits, and then goal scoring. It's it's uh, I I think it's one of the greatest games on the planet. You you know, the players are so talented to be able to do what they do and you know put their bodies on the line every night and it's it's just an exciting game and exciting atmosphere and i i hope more people check it out obviously it's a new team and it takes a while maybe a couple of years to kind of get the buzz around town and and lots of advertising and then on our parts we got to get out in the community which you know we've done a few community um appearances and that's really all you can do is just you know one win games so more people will have the incentive to come and then get out in the community and and uh, advertise yourself well you sure been winning games and you've really i think you i started with the heartlanders uh less than a month ago doing a weekly show about them and you you've gained eight points in the in the conference standing in that amount of time. I mean, yeah. it's just been a, a remarkable <laughs> yeah. turnaround. How, how good is this team right now? You know what? There's a lot of guys that are up in the American League. We've had a lot of guys injured. So there's, there's always a revolving door in pro hockey. And there's guys up and down. There's so many transactions between teams and different leagues. Uh, but this team right now, it's we've had a – a very similar group play for the last 10 to 15 games. And that really helps guys to get confidence. Guys are able to play their role better. And, you know, you work better, you build team chemistry. So no, this team is good. And uh, I hope, um, I hope we keep this rolling. And I think we will, right. It's everyone's kind of feeling good. It's a good feeling in the room. So, uh, to keep the train rolling and win more games here down the stretch. That's, that'll be big for us. Well, so far you've had these two excellent goaltenders and one of them's up right now, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, our goalie Corbin, he just got called up to the American Hockey League. And it's funny because he started in the SPHL, which is the league below the East Coast Hockey League. And so he started there and then came up to the East Coast Hockey League. And now he's with the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning's affiliate. Uh, Syracuse. And then uh, both of our goalies, so Hunter Jones was here, and then Travis Kozlowski, they're both, you know, great hockey players. They're they're great at what they do, and that's such a big thing for a team is to have confidence in their goaltending. And, uh, you know, we've been outshot by double sometimes and still one game, so that tells you a lot about the skill of our goaltenders. Well, your coach, Jerry, uh, 
I'll tell you, here's my impression of him, you know, is that he always stays focused on winning. Nothing seems to distract him from winning. He wants to play winning ball all the time. You know, he's not so much into the grudges. Uh, you know, he's into fighting back, but not, uh, you know, I mean, it just seems like the team's constantly, you know, trying to position themselves to win and not make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. And Jerry, Jerry's great. He's, he's always very positive. You know, every coach gives you a good tongue lashing once in a while, but um, it, he, he he seems to stay really calm and just keep focused on the goals, even when things aren't going the way we want them to. So, and when you do that, when you have a calming presence at the head of the team, uh, that always helps. Now, let me ask you a little something about this matchup you guys had there in West Virginia. Uh, which one were you guys? Were you the Hatfields or the McCoys? What was going on with all that? Oh, geez. I, I don't know. It, it's kind of, it's a, it's a battle back and forth. And every night's a battle in this league, right? You, you got to play hard. You got to play tough. And by last weekend, that was, uh, I don't know, Wheeling's, we, we call them, we like to call them pretenders. They're pretend tough. They try and intimidate you. And as soon as you, as soon as you, uh, come back at them, they fold their tent, kind of like what they did this weekend. So and we, we stole two wins from them. So we well, matched their intensity and then exceeded it. Uh, I think uh, you maybe got under Indy skin a little bit, didn't you, with uh, beating them the, the, the Sunday before, and then uh, they come into your house and you beat them, uh, beat them again. That was pretty sweet, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Now, they beat us a couple times early in the season. And, uh, yeah, you get under their skin. And they're not necessarily the toughest team. That's not their game plan to go run around and try and hurt guys or, or run you out of the rink. It's, you know, they play a skilled game. they got a couple players that are, uh, let's say, meatheads. But, uh, no, you, you get under their team skin just by playing hard and matching their intensity, finishing checks. you got to fight. you got to fight. And, and that's the way you, you come out on top match the other team's intensity, exceed it, and then score some goals. Well, you guys uh, are listening to us. You ever get a chance to uh, to get to the extreme arena and catch a home game, which you got uh, Friday and Saturday this week to to catch yep. them. It's really well worth, uh, worth it. Appreciate your time. You got anything before we cut it off? No, that's all. Well, thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to tune into your podcast for sure and then uh, and uh, coming weeks. Oh, well, it's it's great, and uh, I'm going to have try to get some more of these hunting and fishing things. If you got guys on the team that want to talk hunting and fishing, just put them in touch with me because uh, oh, yeah. I, I oh, absolutely I love that stuff, that man. Day. I live live for that outdoor stuff and that good food, and uh, nothing tastes better than a fish you catch yourself. That's for sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, a day of fishing where you don't catch uh, anything is a better better than a day at work so i don't even mind not catching anything but oh. uh, when you do it's it's even sweeter all right this has been episode one of catch cook and clean uh with our canadian friend cole gonka gonka can you say your name right gonka, yeah you got cole gonka okay all right thanks everybody uh we're sure appreciate it. i really enjoyed this conversation hope you did too bye